Welcome to Soulcast, a monthly podcast where we get one of our colleagues in the studio to talk about his or her work and hobbies. We will also touch upon questions of more philosophical character. The idea with the podcast is to get the chance to get to know one of your colleagues from CFB. Each interviewee will pass the baton on to another interviewee and ask him or her a question. Your host today is Communications Officer Anders Österby Münster. My guest today is from Germany, Maya Rennig, CTO of the company Mycroft, postdoc at the center and ballet dancer since she was five. But what do Ordnung Musein, entrepreneurship, science and ballet have in common? That is what we are going to find out. Hello Maya, great to have you here. As mentioned in the introduction, you are the CTO of Mycroft. Can yes. you share with us what, uh, what Mycroft is doing? Yes, of course. Uh, Mycroft is a company that optimizes protein production. It uh, has a technology platform consisting of three different technologies. One that optimizes the translation of a protein. The second one that then optimizes the folding of the protein. And the third technology that when you upscale your production process to fermentations, uh, where you can decouple growth from production so that you put carbon into product formation instead of biomass accumulation. And in what ways do you see this uh, technology making uh, a difference in reality? Well, I think um, a lot of people struggle with protein production. It's a very big problem also in biotech companies and pharma companies. And very often the R&D capacities in the companies are not there to tackle those problems and to investigate what actually is going on and I mean I have in the last three years of my PhD investigated exactly that problem and I think we have gained a lot of knowledge in that field and can provide a lot of good input and solutions that R&D departments probably would need to do research on for several years as well. So you're actually in a position now where you can go out and provide this uh, technology platform uh, for companies. Yes, exactly. That is what we can do. So parts of our technology we have already proven to be commercially successful. So for example, in my PhD, I did a, a research project for a company called Everybody, and we optimized production of their yeah, antibody mimetics by twofold in their uh, production processes for GMP production, what actually halves their costs. So that was really impressive. Exciting, exciting. What will be what will be the success story for for microbe, or what do you want to to achieve with this? Well, <laughs> if you if you want to uh, gain high, of course we want to be the the best uh, protein production optimization company on the globe. But well, maybe that's not exactly what we want to start out with that's like a long way but i think we would really like to get some commercial deals and get our name out into the world and how do how do uh, the companies that you have talked to so far or potential uh, partners how have they responded uh, to to microbe and the technology that you're providing yes actually we got a lot of very good responses there are like two different kinds of people in companies that you talk to 
So it's always a bit tricky if you approach a company more on the scientific part, like more the R&D department and the scientists, uh, the responses are very, very good. Like Because if you are hands-on working with those things every day, you kind of see the need for technologies like the ones that Microbt is providing. But the higher you get up in, let's say, the company's chain kind of like the less people are actually into the R&D part and it's harder to get them responsive to the importance of that technology when you're not struggling with those problems every day. But even though, I mean, we went to the BioEurope conference and advertised for Microbe there and met with some very big biotech and pharma companies and everyone was very impressed and wanted to keep in touch. So that was a very good start. Seems like it seems like a good start. You've probably have this uh, this question uh, question before, but um, wh- what is the business model in Microbe? How d- are you going to uh, earn some money from uh, from this? Yes, company? well, so first of all, we want to start out as a service provider. So we will provide our technology platform service to other companies, so that we can take in a production strain optimize production and then uh, sell or license out the optimized product. But of course, with having this nice technology on hand, it also makes sense to develop our own product line. For example, difficult to produce proteins that companies have been struggling with and therefore shelved. For example, a very attractive and hyped topic at the moment is heme proteins for like artificial meat and those things. And yeah, so we already have some ideas what could become our own production line. So many opportunities regarding uh, your own production line and also opportunities uh, in the market. Uh, but of course, also a challenge. You have not worked as an entrepreneur uh, before. Where do you see the biggest challenges uh, for you personally going from scientist to entrepreneur? Yes, it's uh, definitely a big challenge to uh, enter into this new world. I think the biggest challenge for Microbt is a bit to present the need of this type of company to potential investors because it's not like the extremely attractive company like i don't know a cancer pharma company they will if they get their product through clinical trials they will make billions with their product and investors see like a good exit strategy there if you're more into providing services part of business then it's not like you're going to get this billion deal exit in the end and so it's more like a constantly growing process and you will have like sales along the line but it's not like maybe as beneficial for an investor as a pharma company would be but you're not afraid of uh, of a good uh, challenge because you like to challenge yourself uh, since you were were five uh, you have been uh, dancing uh, dancing ballet and uh, you're still doing it uh, here in Denmark twice uh, twice a week. Can you try to explain why you got into ballet instead of football, handball or something more common? Yes, well, I think, well, when you're like five years old, I think it's a pretty common thing to start dancing as a girl. And a lot of people are doing that. But then it very often stops when you are into it a few years and I somehow stick to it for well more than 20 years for me it was always a really important balance to my study life my student life or working life phd life it's it kind of really relaxes me to uh to just go there and dance and listen to the music and 
switch off the brain. I really need that as a counterpart. But without being uh, an expert in uh, ballet, it seems like uh, it's also a lot about perfectionism, that you need to have figures and uh, positions and you need to be very perfectionist while uh, dancing uh, dancing ballet. Um, isn't that right? Yes, definitely. That is uh, exactly what it is about, yes. And it, yes, it is a lot about perfection. And if you want to do all the postures positions correctly you also have to have to work hard when you like see ballet dancers in the theater in Copenhagen it always looks so easy but it definitely is a hard work to get there and do all those positions perfectly but you still call it like uh, switching um, the brain off but couldn't you say that uh, your mindset needs to be there and the focus needs to be there all the time when you're dancing uh, dancing ballet because it's so important that you do all the movements uh, in the right way. No, yeah, that's true. That's true. You definitely need to concentrate, but it's it's a different way of focusing and concentrating, but of course there are also a lot of common features about uh, dancing and trying to be an ambitious person in like let's say my professional life. But you're not thinking about protein optimization and micro up the while you're <laughs> dancing. <laughs> no, no, they're not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I once danced a vitamin for yeah. a TV show. Can you <laughs> how how uh, how did you get into that? Uh it was uh is a science show in the in one of the German television programs and they wanted to kind of illustrate what the effect of vitamin supplements and in general food supplements has on the human body. So they try to illustrate that by dancing. So we danced vitamins and molecules and oxygen radicals. And yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> it can be difficult <laughs> uh, <laughs> to explain with uh, with words, but, but how do you dance uh, like a molecule or like a vitamin? I have no idea. I had a, I was wearing a nice white dress that I remember. That was really nice. I don't know if that's what a vitamin should look like. Um, and yeah, I don't know. You were dancing freely through the body. Then you were f bonding with some other molecule, kind of. It was fun. It sounds fun. It sounds definitely fun. And you're still doing it uh, in twice a week here in Copenhagen. Yes. Uh, where can you dance ballet here in uh, in the area? Uh, I dance in Hellerup. Hellerup yeah. has a ballet school. So it's always very convenient. I drive home with the S train anyway, so I just get out at Hellerup, go to ballet training and then continue home. And have you managed to get uh, some of your uh, your colleagues with you for uh, for training yet? No, no, I haven't. I think it's also very tough if you haven't danced before and then you start as an adult. I think like there's a lot of practice that you are much or like a lot of things to learn that you are uh, much easier when you're young then when you it probably it's that like that with most of sports right it's much easier to start when you're young than when you're older and we talked about perfectionism is that something that you take with you in both ballet but also uh, with microbe and also in the work as a postdoc at the center oh yeah absolutely i'm a very perfectionist person so i think on one hand it's a good thing on the other hand it's maybe also sometimes a bit annoying for other people If you have someone around who always wants to do everything perfect and might take a little bit more time than uh, if you're not trying to do it perfect. But yeah, for me, that's very important. I really like to do things perfectly how, in how all can parts. You, how can you see that? Mm, well, I mean, 
in the lab, for example, that uh, I can see it in the sense that I'm always very self-critical towards my scientific results. And uh, if like for final publications, the experimental graph doesn't look perfect, then I'm maybe thinking about maybe I should just repeat the experiment just to get the perfect graph or something like that. Also, maybe like a bit like how I structure my work, like I always try to make it very time efficient and write down everything. And I don't know, maybe that also has something to do with perfectionism. So not a common, uh, not a common German trait, or would you say that it's something that you see also in your your German colleagues? I think I think it's a German thing. Yes, I think. I mean, I don't think you can generalize it, but I think uh, my German colleagues are working in a similar way. Basically, is that. Has that something to do with this, like Ordnungsmuschein, with structure and uh, thinking in organizational? Uh, I guess so. Yes, yeah. maybe. Maybe that's uh, what you get taught from when you're small on. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not generalizing <laughs> at all here. But uh, let's go a little bit back to um, to Microt uh, yes. just for um, just for a while. Where do you see Microt go uh, within the within the next, f- let's say, uh, five years? Well. We are at the moment applying for grants to get funding for the company. So everything that you do with other companies takes time. So it's not like as soon as we have money, we also have five deals with different companies. It takes time to establish those contracts and to get each side in the same position and everything. Uh, But I think in five years, we will very well have uh, done some deals with some companies and we will probably also have developed a lot in towards our own product line, knowing which actually would be a product we could yeah, focus ourselves on. Maybe expand the microbe technology into different organisms, because now at the moment we are sort of limited to bacteria. And of course, hopefully in five years, we will also have licensed out our technology to other companies so that other companies got interested in using the technology themselves. That would be probably the most beneficial deals that might could undergo in the le- next five years, I would say. It will definitely be interesting to, to follow. What have you already learned from starting with Microt and what do you expect to learn uh, along the way? Well, I think learning really never stops. I think we have already learned so much. I mean, we started out as scientists, had no idea about business. And now we have to write business plans and grant applications and license agreements for patents. And it's like a lot of stuff. And I don't think that we always did it right when we tried it the first time. So it's kind of like a continuous learning process. Like with every grant application, you learn more on what you should focus or what you should change. And now I'm just thinking, uh, CTO of the m- of Microp, postdoc at the center, ballet twice a week, uh, and lots of other stuff. How do you get uh, time to fit uh, it into your calendar? There must be uh, less sleep than uh, <laughs> other people. Well, I, I don't know. I I guess it's again about Ordnung muss sein. What you said, right? Like if you if you plan well, that's uh, totally doable. But I also must say that the time before Christmas, the Business Acceleration Academy was finishing at the Bioinnovation Institute, and we were really really busy with Microbt and. I had a conference going on for my postdoc where I was going and it was all very stressful, definitely, the time before Christmas. So then I went on vacation, what was really needed. (laughs) So So you went on vacation. Where did you go? 
I went to Australia. That was really nice. Escaping the winter and having some weeks of summer. That was good. Definitely the right time to travel from uh, from Denmark uh, yeah. during uh, <laughs> December or maybe also here in uh, January. Yes. Wha- what did you do in uh, in Australia to get your thoughts away from uh, from work and micro? Well, I think it was just being on the other side of the globe and uh, being far away from everything and we were traveling around a lot and there were like so many new impressions and adventures every day that it kind of automatically made you forget about everyday life so that was great and the brain was switched off and the phone was also switched off yes 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 so um, pulling out um pulling out from uh, daily life here uh, the the center. I just wanted to ask uh, Maya, because now we have been talking about um, ballet entrepreneurship. We've been talking a little bit about science. If you should say some of the similarities between these things, just to summarize, what would that be? I think focusing and having a goal and ambitiously working towards that goal is something that is really important in all three parts. And um, we have this thing that we pass on this baton to the next interviewee. So you got it from uh, from Matthew. And uh, do you have a question and a person that you want to uh, to pass on the baton to? Yes. So I would like to pass it on to Daria, Daria Segeva from the fifth floor, because I think, uh, well, Matthew worked a lot with yeast. I work a lot with bacteria. So maybe it's nice to have someone who's working with two cells. And she's also part of the bioscience PhD program. So I think it would be really nice to hear something about that. That sounds great. I will uh, ask her about uh, the Bioscience PhD program. And uh, thanks for uh, coming here, Maya. Yes, you're welcome.